How do you start your day? Are you focused, energized, and tuned in to your higher self? Or do you wake up anxious, unmotivated, and already overwhelmed by your giant to-do list? Welcome to Coffee with the Universe with Laura Goldstein, where we'll have inspiring and practical conversations around how to reverse daily struggle and show up calm, collected, and confident instead. As a psychotherapist, spiritual advisor, yoga teacher, and influential speaker, Laura will discuss all things morning routine for increased productivity, mental clarity, greater connection with self, and better decision-making. So grab your favorite cup of joe and come sit down with Laura. Coffee with the Universe starts now. Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Coffee with the Universe. And I'm going to be talking about Kundalini Yoga. So this episode is for all the yogis and yoginis out there, whether you're a beginner, whether you are more advanced, or whether you are just interested in participating, trying, experimenting with some form of yoga. It's no secret that uh, the benefits of yoga are many, but I wanted to dive in today uh, to the Kundalini style. So just like we have many different flavors of ice cream, we also have many different flavors of yoga. You have your vinyasa, you have Iyengar, Ashtanga, Hatha, your Bikram hot yoga, Kundalini. So this isn't a debate about like which is the best form of yoga. They're all different, just like there is no such thing as best ice cream flavors. I mean, that's very subjective. And the yoga that you practice um, is going to be very specific to you and what works for you. Now, for me, uh, my background is in Iyengar, which is a Hatha, Hatha form of yoga. And it's very much in, in like to alignment and how to, um, you know, get in proper position. And I'll be honest, I was doing like vinyasa flow classes before I found my Iyengar school. And I have to say, um, I, I didn't, I wasn't really doing yoga properly. So I attribute my level of skill and my ability to go through yoga teacher training um, in the Kundalini form on my Iyengar Hatha yoga background experience. Um, but as someone who has a very busy mind. Uh, some of you out there can relate where we're like very high in vata air energy and our mind is always going a mile a minute and it doesn't shut up. And, you know, we were looking for something to just like quiet the mind to, to get it to stop. Um, I found that Kundalini actually helped me a lot more than some of these other forms. And I'll be honest, if you know yoga and you've heard of Kundalini, a lot of people are like, well, that's the weird kind of yoga. And I, I admit, I thought that at first, you know, a lot of people like they're dressed in all white. Um, sometimes they're chanting. And, you know, as someone who is just used to kind of vinyasa flow classes that I could get at the gym, I'm like, this is really weird stuff. It just 
doesn't jive. And I did a couple Kundalini classes way back when, and we were doing like these strange repetitive movements. And I was like holding my arms up in the air. And I'm like, why am I even doing this? Um, it was really confusing and, and really strange. And I happened to show up to a class, you know, I'm dressed in like regular yoga gear, but this is a very classical um, Kundalini studio. So like almost everybody was dressed in white. I felt like completely out of place. I had no idea why everybody was dressed in white. Why does the teacher cover their head? You know, this is like so bizarre. So I wrote it off for such a long time, just saying, you know what this is? This is like weird cult crazy crap. Um, this isn't yoga. Uh, but as I became more experienced and started to dabble more on my own, I realized that that one instance of my experience is not like all instances. It's like going to one yoga class and not really liking it and saying, oh, I don't like any form of yoga. Like I went to that Kundalini class and I was like, oh, I don't like any Kundalini. I just, um, it was from a place of ignorance and it just, I, I wasn't ready for it at the time. But I, I just want to dive into why I have found this school of yoga to really help me work through my mind chatter and a lot of the subconscious junk that we have lurking underneath than other forms of yoga. Um, I actually found someone who was doing Kundalini online that looked like a normal person to me. So I started following it and started doing it at home. And the amount of stillness that I found was just astronomical. I don't even know how to explain it. And I realized that uh, the, the way Kundalini works is it's a little bit more holistic in the elements that are included. And I'll go over that in a little bit, but I think it's this more holistic approach to the yoga practice that really made the difference to me. And a lot of forms of yoga, most forms we think of just like asana practice, like, I, you know, I'm going to do a power flow and it's going to make my butt and my abs look good. Um, I'm going to be all nice and toned. And especially here in the West, we see it as a form of exercise, you know, cardio, heart rate is up. Um, but, you know, yoga, if you're advanced, you know this yoga is much deeper than that. There's a whole philosophy behind it. It's not just about asana and movement. We have pranayama, which is the breath work. We have mantra, which is sound and vibration. And um, I, I went to this, so this is, this is funny. Um, <laughs> before I got into Kundalini, before I even did teacher training, um, I was still like a beginner yoga. I went to an ashram weekend retreat with a girlfriend um, when I was still living in Florida. Um, we're like, oh, this will be fun. We had an ashram there. Let's go to a, a you know, a yoga retreat for the weekend. So we went and it was, it was quite interesting because first off I'm insulin resistant. Uh, and so I'm like a paleo keto girl. I need my meat. So here we're going for the weekend to an ashram where everybody's a vegetarian and feeding me all kinds of grains, um, and vegan food, which is often very high in carbohydrates. So I actually stored a bunch of like 
beef jerky and sardines in my car. So I was like this little, you know, I felt like this little ashram derelict where like at, at um, meal times, I would like run to my car and eat my protein and then come back to the, to the, uh, community kitchen and dining area and like have a salad and some vegetables to go with it. So I, I did feel like a little bit of a derelict, like sleep, you know, sneaking away. I'm eating meat in my car secretly. Um, so it was, it was really funny that way, but they did a lot of um, chanting and mantra. And I remember thinking, I guess I expected, you know, a yoga retreat. This was my beginner yoga mind. I'm going to go and we're just going to have all different kinds of yoga classes and maybe like a meditation. But at the ashram, they did a much more holistic style, like what I found with Kundalini. So yeah, we did some asana, we did some meditation, but there was a lot of uh, presentations about like yoga philosophy and the eight limbs of yoga. And they did a lot of mantra and chanting and I'm sitting like in Sanskrit or Gurmukhi and I'm like, what are they even saying? I don't get this. This is so weird. And so myself and, and my girlfriend, we found ourselves kind of like sneaking away from some of the sessions because we just thought it was weird. Again, we were beginners and nobody really prepped us or educated us as to what was going on. Um, and so we were a little uncomfortable. It was out of our element. Um, I can look back on that and laugh, especially like running out to my car to eat sardines. You know, there's a site for you. Um, but, it, you know, it was a, a good experience and it exposed me to the different styles um, of yoga and, you know, even the difference between a a more Buddhist based philosophy school and more like Hindu based philosophy school. Um, there is a difference, you know, in Buddhism, it's more um, like Zen quieting the mind. There isn't much like there's no deity discussion. Whereas in the Hindu religion, yes, they talk about deities and use stories around the different gods and goddesses to uh, prove a particular point. So even something like that in the ashram that I went to had all these different, it was very Hindu based, had all these different deities. And, you know, you have the, the one with like many different arms and you've got, um, you know, the elephant, like part human, part elephant. So again, for someone who was born and raised like on on Catholicism like that was just strange you know they have all of these different gods and goddesses and I don't know um, what they mean and and even though now I, I'm I, I consider myself a pretty intermediate uh, yogini the the Hindu side of it doesn't resonate as much to me, uh, but that is an option, and other people do find enjoyment in the stories and in the history behind that. Uh, but just you know, so you understand, it's it's okay if we want to experiment with different forms of yoga. Um, it's okay if we find something that is a little uncomfortable to us because it's just allowing us to step outside our comfort zone. And sometimes we need that 
in order to find a style that really works for us. Um, and when I tell people now that I teach the Kundalini style, those that know me, that know how I would like laugh at, you know, Kundalini and I'm not getting up at 4 a.m., which I still don't, by the way, to, you know, do morning practice. They, they kind of chuckle because it is ironic that something that I toted as weird and strange and the chanting and oh my gosh, um, I don't understand that. I now decided that that's what I decided to get my teacher training in. And that's what I teach now. Now, granted, um, I do teach more of a modern Kundalini. Um, I am not of the Sikh religion or tradition, so I don't wear all white. Uh, and I think the the thing that makes the difference um, when when experimenting or exploring a Kundalini class is having a teacher that tells you why you're doing what you're doing. Um, you know, for those that teach, I guess you know if they have a following, they assume everybody already knows. I don't really know. Um, it's very confusing to new people who are coming in and doing things that seem really strange and, and you don't get it. And when we don't, when we can't intellectualize something, it's harder to adjust and be accepting of it. It's like the, the ego needs to understand something before it can allow for us to be in the experience. Now, as a spiritual being, quote, should it be that way? No, because if we were actually all in our divinity, we would be open to any experience and we wouldn't be judging it. However, uh, for most of us, we still struggle with that ego part with that that mind that self-identification and when we go to try something new if we can have an understanding of what's going on our mind will allow us to experience it um, in a different way than if we have no clue and we can't make sense out of what it is that we're doing so I do think it's important to um, understand a little bit about Kundalini. And that's what I aim to do in today's show. Something else I want to kind of talk about, you know, the, the elephant in the room is um, scandal. So there, so the, the person that brought Kundalini style to the United States and Canada was Yogi Bhajan. And there's a huge scandal um, around that. Um, you know, him and his ashram and, you know, being very inappropriate with women. And he was accused of, um, you know, sexual misconduct. So a lot of people have discounted Kundalini because of that. However, just like in any organization, you do find scandal, you do find inappropriate behavior, people who abuse their authority. So this isn't like this isn't anything new. So I do want to address that a little bit, because I, I've seen some people call Yogi Bhajan the father of Kundalini. And that makes me cringe, because 
kundalini yoga, like all forms of yoga, have been here for thousands of years, way before this one guy was even born. So to say, you know, to put somebody on a pedestal and say, oh, this is the father of kundalini, I find it extremely inappropriate and not actual. Now, did he bring the style to the West? Absolutely. So, you know, there is credit there, but that doesn't make somebody the, the founder of, or the father of yoga doesn't belong to any one person. It's not taught by any one guru. So to view it in that way, I just think really taints it. And then you know, it, it it sets people up for huge disappointment and then like giving up something that they love, whether it's a yoga practice, whether it's um, a particular um, religious institution. I mean, you find the same thing with, you know, the, the priests, you find it anywhere in politics and, you know, any businesses, there's going to be corrupt, abusive people. So I do want to go into that a little bit um, too and talk about what that looked like. Because if you know Kundalini, you know what I'm talking about probably, but if you don't, you're going to hear it. So I want you to at least have the background information. Okay, so when we come back, I'm going to address the weirdness, um, like the, the Sikh part of Kundalini, um, and I want to talk about this, this scandal a little bit more, just so you have a fundamental understanding, and then dive into why Kundalini is the yoga of awareness and how it can really help you with um, the chatter of the mind in these subconscious blocks that often prevent us from, you know, finding that level of peace and joy that we really want. Uh, so I will see you after the break. Imagine what it would be like to turn your pain into purpose. Tune in to Transformation with Martinet every second and fourth Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Martinet and her guests are here shining their lights today through empowering stories of hardship and transformation. Begin to see your life in a new light. Visit MartineEmmons.com and tune in every second and fourth Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific to Transformation with Martinet. You're driven, and it totally shows. Your career is taking off, you're killing it in the mom game. But did your health needs make it on the plate this week? Tune in to the Boss Up Babe radio show, where Carissa Adkins helps babes show up, boss up, and thrive. Every second and fourth Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Become the boss babe you were meant to be. To sign up for one of Carissa's group coaching programs, visit 365dailyhustle.com. Tired of not losing the weight? You need a healthy solution for weight loss that protects your muscle mass as the fat burns away naturally. Holistic Medical Center has the healthy option for your weight loss concerns. Lose one to three pounds per day in 21 days naturally under our physician supervision. Call Holistic Medical Center 425-451-0404. Or on the web, drdarvish.com, D-R-D-A-R-V-I-S-H.com. We figured by the time we turned 50, we kind of had life figured out, but we were not prepared for the realities of midlife. Tune in to, and that's when I realized, the truth and comedy of midlife with me, Susan Dolce. 
and me, Leon Dyer, every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You're not alone in these challenges, and sometimes you just gotta laugh. Find us at SusanDolce.com and LeonDyer.com. Tune in to the Sacred Attunement Show with Asher Countryman, unlocking the power of mind, body, soul abundance. Tune in every first and third Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Join Asher as she guides you to sacred attunement. Align your mindset and your actions to master your life's purpose. Discover more at SacredAttunement.com. When trauma is stored in the body, it can subconsciously affect and determine our life experiences. Learn how the mind connects with the body and how you can pursue your own healing and growth so that your line shines brighter than ever. On the Law of Attraction Traction with host, my mom, Green Beerfield, every third Tuesday of the month at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about Kareen and her services as a holistic heart-centered counselor, visit KareenBeerfield.com. Welcome back to Coffee with the Universe. Today we're talking about the Kundalini style of yoga and my experience with it, as well as why I found it to really help those of us that have an incredibly busy, overactive, self-critical mind, as well as, um, you know, just like some subconscious stuff that's lingering there, whether it's like past discomfort, resentments, um, even some trauma, why I found this form of, of yoga to be most effective. So in uh, before the break, we talked a little bit about like the weirdness behind it, um, wearing all white, you know, the Sikh religion, and then, you know, the scandal around Yogi Bhajan, who brought Kundalini to uh, the West. So I just want to briefly kind of go into that. Um, so you do see, like, if you Google Kundalini yoga and you watch YouTube videos, most of them you will see wearing like all white, um, their heads are covered. Um, men usually have turbans on. And this is because in India, a huge population that practice Kundalini were, were those of the Sikh faith. And yeah, Sikhism is in essence a religion. And, and so there is some of that incorporated into Kundalini, but, but Kundalini is not religious in itself. Like it's not teaching a particular deity. Um, it's, it's very neutral and talking about, you know, like you can use the word God if you want in some of the mantras and meditations, but you can also use spirit, universe, um, whatever works for you. So while, you know, when, when a, a particular um, religion practices one form of yoga, you can't help but get a little bit of that in there. Just like, you know, with Hinduism, you, you get a little bit of that in any kind of style yoga that you practice. And you can kind of take it with a grain of salt if it resonates great. If not, that's okay too. So just because Kundalini is very popular amongst the Sikh religion, it doesn't mean 
that kundalini is religious and that you have to be Sikh and wear all white and wear the turbans in order to practice or teach it. My class is not like that at all. As a matter of fact, I was just telling my producer here that um, I had a new woman come to one of my classes and she was wearing all white and she saw that I wasn't and she was like, oh my God, she's like, I'm so glad, you know, I had to go to the store and get this top because I didn't have any. And, you know, I was afraid that I would show up and I wouldn't be in all white and it would be weird. Um, so not all people who practice Kundalini are going to be dressed in all white. And many of them do not have any um, experience or immersion into the Sikh faith. Okay, so you know, it'd be kind of like saying, well, we had a study and we noticed that most people who practice vinyasa were, you know, of the Jewish faith. Therefore, you know, vinyasa is for Jewish people only. I mean, it, it does, it, it's, that's not how it works. It just, it, it's just something that stands out because um, if you are of a different religion, like like Jewish faith or of of, of Christian orientation, um, you don't always know this based on how people look. But with like the Sikh faith, it is quite obvious by the way that they're dressed. And same with you know people who are of Muslim faith; they have you know the head covers as well as the women do. Um, so it's a little bit more obvious than some of the other religions, but. You know, the weirdness because of the white is is not a mandatory part of kundalini. So don't let that deter you from trying it if that was a hang up for you. Uh, now, in terms of the, the scandal Yogi Bhajan, um, you know, he, he had kind of like an ashram. And, and is it a cult? Um, I believe it kind of was. I think that any gathering where people are following one guru and they take that person's word for it, like a be all end all, um, that is kind of the definition of a cult. So was he running a cult? Yeah, I guess you could say that. However, you have to remember, this is also the late 60s and, and into the 70s. And you had a lot, the hippie movement and this idea of, you know, we live on a commune and a sense of community. So the time too also promoted this kind of hippie communal um, cult-like living. And again, you know, he was accused by being, you know, of being sexually inappropriate um, but you can really find that in any any industry. I mean, even within yoga, I mean, um, Iyengar was accused of being, you know, verbally abusive to his students. So it, it's it's infused in anything. And my message is don't let like one person deter you from experiencing something that is not of that person. Um, Yogi Bhajan did not invent Kundalini, you know, so, and, and, you know, to be honest, there were a couple uh, Kundalini teachers at the, the studio that I, I teach at right now. I'm the only one that teaches Kundalini there, but there were a couple um, Kundalini instructors before me that would wear all white that I guess, you know, believed more in the, the Sikh religion and, and the principles there. But one of the ladies, when, when this scandal hit, she renounced kundalini and like swore she would never do it again she held this person in such esteem that when 
he was accused of these horrendous things. And I um, mean, he's, he's passed. Um, he's, he's already deceased. So we don't really know, like he couldn't answer for his, his accusations or his accused crimes uh, because he, he had already died. But um, this person like held him in such esteem that like her whole world was shattered. And I think that's the danger of taking any kind of yoga guru and putting him on this pedestal and, and almost like worshiping them because they are human beings and they are fallible. And it is possible that they will mess up um, some in more serious ways than others but that doesn't mean that the form of yoga, that kundalini itself or all yoga itself is bad. You know, yoga has been around for a lot longer and it has so many benefits. So we don't want to attach it to any one person or thing. So try not to let scandals get in the way of you trying um, different things, especially when it comes to yoga and, and uh, practices in the health and wellness field. All right. So kundalini, kundalini is the yoga of awareness. And the reason why it's called this is because it actually focuses more on the subtle, energetic body, and what you are noticing about your body and your mind as you go through the practices, then on the asana, the forms itself. So what do I mean by that? All right, if you go to a, a, a yoga flow class in a gym or like a power flow in a studio you are basically moving through one pose to another pose to another pose it's a flow sun salutations you know downward dog into plank um into different positions a lot of yoga is focused on posture and that's not bad because asana practice is, was actually created not for physical exercise to make your and to make your abs and butt look good. Um, it was actually to prepare people for meditation because when we move our body and when we breathe in a sequenced way, um, it actually does quiet our mind. It helps to decompress our nervous system and it sets us up to be more meditative. So asana is very important. However, in the kundalini school of yoga, movement is only a um, like a third or a fourth of the actual class. And a lot of the kundalini movements are different than traditional downward dog, lunge poses, um, you know, camel pose. The, there is some hatha infused in kundalini, but a lot of the motions are, are different. You don't find that in a traditional vinyasa flow class. And that is because kundalini is more about moving the energy up from the base of our spine, our root chakra, pushing that energy up to our crown chakra, seventh chakra. It is more focused on moving the energy in the body through repetitive movements versus just going through a set sequence of postures. 
right? So the movement is different. Um, and then also in Kundalini, it's a nice infusion of that movement with pranayama, which is that breath work, with mantra, and with meditation. So this is why I say it's almost like a holistic yoga practice, because it's incorporating all of those limbs of yoga. It's incorporating all of the elements of yoga into one practice. And when we pair movement with breath work, with mantra, which is sound vibration, with meditation, and we take time to notice the impact that it's having on the body, we start to pay attention to what this yoga experience is actually bringing to the table. When I first started doing yoga, I was going to the gym. I wasn't going to a regular studio. I was going to the flow class. And I thought that the ending part, the Shavasana, where you lie on your back and just kind of go within, I thought it was like the biggest epic waste of time. I would lie there and be like, oh gosh, you know, what am I going to do next? And don't forget to get this and that at the store. Um, Because I did not understand that to make a connection as to the impact yoga is having, it's not about how you feel doing the postures. It's about how do you feel after? What do you notice? And Kundalini forces you to pay attention to that and really be aware, like what comes up for you. So for example, Um, After we do a series of movements, I will tell my students to just notice. I take time in between every sequence that we do to say, focus on what's going on in your body. Where do you feel it? Where do you feel this energy moving? You know, do you feel tingling in your shoulders? Do you feel clarity in your head? Where is this impacting you and what is it doing? Because if we can make the connection between what we've just done and where we're feeling it in the body and what it's doing, then when we need to have that same sense, like, you know what, I'm having a really bad anxiety day and I need to calm my mind. You know what? Kundalini taught me that when I do these sequences and I pair it with this breath work, that it gives me relief. But if we don't take the time to understand that about our yoga practice, then we don't make the connection. And then when we we are having those overly anxious days, um, we, we don't like have any tools to help us because we're not connecting the dots. So we want this awareness in the practice to be able to repeat and to use when we need to. Another part of the awareness is it teaches us about our resistance and where the ego comes into play. With Kundalini, the idea is that we hold positions, like we will hold our arms up um, 
45 degrees, 90, 60 degrees, 90 degrees. And we'll hold them there for three minutes to 11 minutes. In hardcore advanced classes, you might be there for a half hour. So when you are doing this and your arms are burning like a mofo, your ego is like, this is so stupid. Why are you doing this? Um, and the resistance starts kicking in and you learn how you cope with difficult situations real quick. Do you give up? Do you press on? Do you get really angry? It teaches you a lot about how you cope with discomfort. And it's very insightful because I learned that I will give up. Like if I have to fight too hard, I'm just going to put my arms down and not do it and just kind of be passive aggressive. And Kundalini taught me that this is how I approach almost everything in my life that is difficult. It's very eye-opening. Again, that Kundalini of awareness. And so when we can understand how we cope, when we're doing breath work and you know, we're doing a particular form and it's bringing up like some of these things that, that were from our past that we didn't think were connected. We're now becoming aware. All right. So this is why I found that the Kundalini style really helps you understand who you are, but also clear out some of those patterns because unless we're aware, we can't do anything about it. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to dive more into the movements like pranayama, what that looks like, mantra, chanting. And yes, it's it may seem weird and might be uncomfortable, but I want to talk about why um, this works and works really well. And then the meditation feature. So I will see you in a few. We are courageously expanding love on my new show, The Elizabeth Cunningham Show every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Join me and my guests where we talk about relationships, sex, love, and the ways we wish we could be but never thought were possible. Visit ElizabethAnnCunningham.com and subscribe. Are you feeling lost in this journey we call life? When you awaken the truth of your patterns, limitations, and beliefs, you can start to heal relationship with yourself, others, and your circumstances. I'm Ritika Rose, life coach, author, and speaker. My mission is to help you align with your most powerful, authentic self and transform how you experience your inner and outer world. Find the confidence and peace to live the highest version of your life. Visit RitikaRose.com. Life can be demanding. But sometimes our wheels are spinning and we're too focused on making them turn to notice we're stuck in the mud. Tune into The Pause with me, Ellen Wyoming Deloy, every second and fourth Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Learn how to stop, reflect, and start moving forward with intention. And if you're really looking to jumpstart your personal development, schedule a free coaching consultation with me at ellenwyomingdeloy.com. Tune in to the Be Happy Now show with me, Claudia Sam. Flex your soul connection muscle and be your inner guide to fulfillment. Every Thursday on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You are here for a bigger reason and are worthy of accessing it. Experience happiness now. 
Tune in to your intuition and connect with me. Visit ClaudiaSamCoaching.com. Want to ignite your best life full of joy, passion, and purpose? Then join me, Stephanie James, for The Spark, Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock Pacific Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, on TransformationTalkRadio.com and learn how together we can illuminate the world. Learn more on stephaniejames.world. The best is yet to come. Tune into Hungry for Answers every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on transformationtalkradio.com with me, Robin Clare. I am a recovery coach, professional, and best-selling author, bringing you eye-opening conversations about addiction and groundbreaking tools for recovery. To learn about me and my offerings, visit clarity.com. That's Claire, C-L-A-R-E-I-T-Y.com. Hi, and welcome back. In today's show, we're talking about kundalini yoga, just based on my experience and how it's really helped me tremendously in terms of quieting my very busy and overactive mind and helping me to understand myself and, and how I deal with challenges and resistance and, you know, bringing things up that um, maybe were like slightly hidden or I wasn't making the connection to because when we have hangups and they are sitting at our subconscious level, we're not really in a position to work through them because we just aren't aware of them. So Kundalini is this yoga of awareness, which I love because once we know what's going on, then we're in a position to fix it. So I talked a little bit about like how movement is, is different in Kundalini. It's not necessarily going through like a yoga flow, like a sun salutation. And a lot of the movement is very repetitive. We will do, um, for example, some twisting actions um, for maybe one to three minutes or like a, a windmill type of action where we're standing up and, you know, touching our left hand to our right toe and coming back up and, and going down the other side. And we will, we will do this for one to three minutes. And why? Well, first off, your body is very dense and it takes the body systems and the muscular systems a little while to figure out, hey, what are we doing here? What are we loosening up? What are we stretching? What are we activating? What gland or organ are we stimulating? And by just like touching our toes once and then coming back up, our body hasn't really processed what we're supposed to be doing down there touching our toes. So part of this awareness is helping the body become aware of what we want it to do. And it does take some time in order to do that. So we will do these repetitive mo motions that if it's not explained to you and you just show up to a class and like for three minutes, you're, you know, making this twisting motion and you feel like a, a helicopter with your arms and you're like, well, you know, why am I doing this? Why are we here so long? If you get the method behind the madness, it makes sense and you can stop worrying about it from an ego perspective and start paying attention to what your body is doing. All right. So that is 
um, the the significant difference around that movement piece is that repetitive motion. The second is breath work and pranayama. We use a lot of breath of fire, which is the abdominal breathing, pushing the breath out of the diaphragm and letting the air flow back in in more of a passive way. We do a lot of breath of fire, but we do alternate nostril breathing. We also do a cannon breath, which is like a, through an O-shaped mouth. And it's like a are really fast in and out through the mouth. And sometimes these different pranayamas make you feel a little bit lightheaded. And the goal is definitely to do more of the breath work from the diaphragm. But if you look into the efficacy of breath work, it's actually become a very popular standalone therapeutic practice. And the pranayama can help us move stuck emotions, stuck energy out of our body. It can help people um, bring up like traumas that need to be released. And so there's actually like um, breath, uh, what is it? Uh, breath works or something like that. I can't remember the name, but there's several different schools that you can actually go to and get certified in just these pranayama breath work techniques that actually have healing properties and help people work through their crap. So in Kundalini yoga, the breath is infused in a lot of the movement that we do. So we might be doing a repetitive movement, but also doing the cannon breath with it. Or we have our arms extended up at 45 degree angles, and we are doing breath of fire holding our arms up. So we are pairing movement with that breath work to help cleanse the system. And I found that the breath work for me really helps with that mind chatter, like um, shoulder shrugs. If I can do shoulder shrugs um, and then do, you know, a breath of fire afterwards, my mind is quiet. It's still like it, it, it like takes all of that gunk out and just moves it to the side. And so the, the breathing and the, the combination of movement and breath work is huge in Kundalini because it gets our body um, to work a little more efficiently because we're using the breath as well. Now, mantra, we have a lot of chanting. Sometimes it's just seed sounds like om, uh, lam, hum, things like that, which correspond often to our different chakras. But, you know, these seed sounds create a vibration through the body. So if it's a seed sound or, or it's just like a chant, like we open with Om Namo Guru Dev Namo, and it's like a opening chant that just means, you know, I honor the 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 wisdom within myself, the teacher within and the teachers that have come before me. So the chants do have somewhat of a, of a meaning to them, but it's actually the sound that is most crucial in the practice. Because when you make a sound like ong, 
you are hitting the roof of your mouth with your tongue. And we do have um, pressure points on the roof of our mouth. Or if you're chanting something like OM, simple O-M, which is really like A-U-M, you can actually feel the vibration OM moving from um, down in your sacral chakra, like the lower chakras up through your body, because you get to that mm, part. And now you're vibrating in your chest and your throat. So that sound actually vibrates our cells. And when our cells vibrate, um, it, it's a healing process. If you think about impact of sound on like a glass of water, you know, like you fill a glass of water and you um, move your finger around the rim of the glass, the water starts to vibrate and our body is made up of water. And these vibrations can have a very therapeutic effect on us at a cellular level. So when we say Om Namo, or guru, wahe guru, and we're hitting the roof of our mouth, we're stimulating those nadis, those pressure points, while also providing um, healing benefits for the cells in our body. So every chant has a particular purpose with it. And sometimes we chant in a meditative form. Sometimes it's just, you know, chanting alone to, to signify the opening and closing of class. And there's even one um, chant, it's mantra, like meditation infused called the Kirtan Kriya that has been used in studies um, at UCLA uh, in California um, with Alzheimer's patients and there's finger movements too that go with it. So between the vibrational chanting and stimulating the acupressure points of the fingers, it's actually been shown to help Alzheimer's and memory loss patients with memory acquisition or retaining the memory that they have. So there is a science behind the chanting, the breath work, the, the mudras, which are the finger positions and the acupressure points that we are stimulating. There's a science behind it that has therapeutic um, an, a therapeutic impact on the physical body. So when you go to a class and, and people are chanting and you're like, well, this is kind of weird if you understand that there is a science here and it's more about the sounds than the meaning, then it makes it a lot easier to try it out, to be okay with trying out. People have a fear of chanting something that like they think has bad words, um, but or like words that don't resonate them. Oh, if I'm chanting, I'm chanting to someone else's God. Well, first off, you don't even know what you're saying anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's not like, you know, you have knowing of, of what you're saying. It's meaningless. It's like making up a word and using it. It's meaningless. It doesn't matter. But secondly, none of these kundalini chants are of a religious nature or are like trying to put evil thoughts into your head. I think that's, you know, a little bit paranoid when you go to yoga classes that, that use mantra. Um, oh, they're putting negative thoughts in, in my head. I don't know. 
Um, I, I guess it's the same people that have conspiracy theories about everything. Um, it, it, it's, it's, that's not how it is. And they're not chanting to uh, like a God in particular, or it's not really religious. It's usually sounds or it has a meaning such as like, I'm connecting to the divine teacher within um, Wahe Guru, like an expression of, of joy. Um, it, it's, it's something just, you know, stimulating creativity, intuition. It's nothing about any kind of religious beliefs or sayings. So even if you don't know what they're saying, don't be afraid to, um, you know, really chant along and just feel the sounds. Just pay attention to what that is doing in your body. Okay. That is most important, more important than anything else. And then of course, meditation, a lot of times in Kundalini, like the meditation, the mantra, um, the mudras with the hands, and even sometimes movement, sometimes you're doing all of them at once. Because even in asana practice or, or going through the motions, we want to have um, a meditative mind. All right. So a lot of times we're doing all of these things at once. It's like all incorporated into one sequence. Sometimes it is separate where we just have a meditation where we're focused on the third eye or whatnot. So this is why I found Kundalini to be so helpful. It incorporates all of these things. It helps us become super aware of what's going on in our body, what is helping us with what, what is creating roadblocks for us. And it sometimes brings up stuff that we're ready to release and let go. I found this um, form of yoga to work a lot quicker than other forms of yoga in terms of this kind of thing. So if you haven't tried Kundalini, go try it. See if it resonates. It may, it may not, but just try it. Um, allow yourself to experience something new. And don't let scandals and stuff get you hung up. If you want to do the research, go Google it. You can learn all about it. Um, but it's not about that. It's not about one person. It is yoga that has been around for a very long time and helps us with a lot of different things. So thank you for joining me, for listening I will see you next time here on Coffee with the Universe on Transformation Talk Radio every, Tuesday, every third Tuesday of the month at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining me for Coffee with the Universe. Make sure to tune in next time as I continue to share tips and tricks to help you stop waking up anxious, uninspired, and energetically drained in the morning and feel calm, connected to your higher self and confident instead. If you would like more information on my morning magic course, please visit www.cwtu.net slash morning magic.